you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start. And I want to talk to you this morning on the topic of faith. Faith sees what cannot be seen. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> have you ever had a faith that could see something that nobody else could see? That's what makes it faith. Notice with me in Scripture this morning again, Travis already read it. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Now here's the key. Check verse number 2 out. For by it, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today. And God, certainly we are mindful that uh, you are the maker. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And God, we're thankful for such a day that you've made. And certainly as the psalmist declared, God, we should rejoice and be glad in it. God, we're thankful for the beautiful day that you've made, that we're able to come to your house, we're able to sing praises to you, we're able to worship you in song, we're able to worship you through the giving back of all those things that you've blessed us with. God, we're able to pray to you, we're able to worship you through our prayers. God, we're able to worship you through reading and studying your word. So God, I pray that you're honored this morning because we've taken time, we've set aside time for you to give you the honor and the praise that you deserve. Lord, we're grateful for the salvation that we have through Jesus. And God, we're so thankful that you love this world so much that you willingly sent and gave your son that we might be able to have life everlasting. God, I pray that if there's someone in our midst this morning that's heard a lot of talk about faith, they've, they've seen a lot of talk about Jesus, they've heard a lot of talk about churches and this or that, but God, that they've never placed their faith in the risen Savior of the world. God, I pray that today would be the day that their faith becomes sight. That they see and believe that Christ is the risen Savior of the world. And they call upon the name of the Lord. God, I pray for the husband or the wife that's discouraged today. Or the young person that may be struggling. School's back in session and from bullies to homework to everything that's facing our, our young people today. God, I just pray that you'd wrap your arms of protection about them. God, I pray that you'd encourage their hearts. Be with our college students as many of them, they've, they've already gone back and started classes. God, I just pray that you would meet with us this morning in a very special way. I pray that your word would have free course to move throughout this congregation. And for those that are listening, God, I pray that you would encourage their hearts as well. God, when we leave this place, may we have a better understanding of what faith can see. God, may we take steps to apply it, to, to grow, to increase in our faith through the teaching of your word today. God, we love you, we thank you, and we give you the praise in advance for all that you'll do. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, and for his sake we pray it. Amen and amen. This morning... Faith sees what cannot be seen. And I want you to notice in verse number one, the Bible actually, you know, a lot of people say, what's a definition of faith? Hey, pastor, can you give me a, a clear cut? Can you, you know, like people call me like, can you give me an answer to this problem? Can you give me an answer to this problem? I've never had anybody really give me a, a call and say, could you give me a clear cut answer of what faith is? 
But if they did, I would say a clear, the clearest definition I know is right here in Scripture. Notice what verse 1 says. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, what Scripture is telling us is that faith operates in a realm of things that are not seen. There is the physical world and then there's the spiritual world, right? And so it, it does not take a lot of faith for me to feel this plastic fern. Bless your little heart. Right? It does not take, that's, that's a physical realm. I can touch it. I can see it. Although those are, there are people, there are schools of religious thought would say that you and I don't actually exist. But that's another discussion for another time. But physically, we can look at one another. We can reach out and touch one another, right? And we can understand physically that we're here. But faith operates in a spiritual realm as well. In fact, the Scottish theologian William Barclay said this. He put it this way. He said, faith means that we are certain of the things we hope for and convinced of the things we do not see. In fact, Wycliffe Bible Commentary states it this way. They say, faith is trust in the unseen. It's not trust in the unknown, for we may know by faith what we cannot see with the eye. Oliver B. Green, that American evangelist of yesteryear, he said, faith is the substance, the foundation, the title deed, and the assurance of things hoped for. Man, if you're, you may be saying, man, that's three quotes right in a row. Let me give you another one. If you're still a bit confused by this whole topic of faith, uh, I like what uh, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans said it this way. He describes faith. He said, faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Amen. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. I like that. Let me read. Faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. You know, it's like the old, the old pastor, the old pastor of yesterday. Uh, they say, God said it, that. Yeah, I see how old you are when you answer that. Right? I said it was the old pastor of years ago that said it. Say they, they would say, God said it, that settles it. Oh, that's not a, by the way, that's not a popular message in 2018. When we, when we confront or talk to people or share the love of Christ with people and you share what God's Word has to say, remember that we're living in a, in a postmodern society where all truth is relative and your truth may not be their truth. And so we have to, have to be very, very prayed up. Uh, before we go to talk to them. Here's the thing about faith. Corporately, you and I actually may be able to detect, to appreciate, and even celebrate uh, when, when a believer is clearly exercising their faith. But here's the thing I know also about faith. I might be able to celebrate in your faith, but it gets a little more difficult when you and I begin to exercise our own faith, right? Has anybody ever struggled with, you know, like taking that first step. It's like you feel like you feel like God may be telling you to do something which is kind of old-fashioned even in the thought that God would speak to his children, but he does, and you know how he speaks to us? Through his word and through the multiplicity of counselors. By the way, I encourage you to get godly counsel if you're going to get counsel, right? And so he speaks to us through his word and counsel and the Holy Spirit moves and works. And, and so 
when it comes to exercising faith in our own life, though, it's so hard. But here's something else I also learned a long time ago, especially when Krista and I were first married, uh, is that for me, faith um, rarely develops. Pay attention to this. Faith rarely develops in the comfortable. It rarely develops in the comfortable. Listen, I'll be real honest with you guys. It takes no amount of faith for me to sit on the couch and eat chips with melted cheese all over them. Listen, it's hard to develop faith in the comfortable. It takes no faith to do something that you're already comfortable with, right? It, ta it takes no faith for, 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 for me to do things that are the familiar, that are, that are the easy, the pleasurable things of life. That, that doesn't take faith. Listen, if we're, and here's, here's something else I know as believers. If I'm always holding a death grip on the things that are comfortable in my life, Forget about it. It's like Peter, when, when Jesus said, hey, uh, Peter said, you know, um, Jesus said, uh, Peter was like, are thou the Lord? And he says, if you're the Lord, bid me come. And Jesus said, well, come on, right? All the rest of the disciples heard the same message. All those jokers that are in the boat, right? They heard the same message. But there was only one. Let's, we beat Peter down a lot because he started to sink, right? There was only one. There's only one that took off and put his foot down to walk to the Lord on the water. See, faith never develops or increases in the comfortable. We've got to get out of the boat, so to speak. And when we get out of the boat, that's when I believe that faith actually begins to see what cannot be seen. In fact, the founder of Midwestern Baptist College years ago, Dr. Thomas Malone Sr., he said this. He said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. Now listen, pay attention. He said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. And when God is going to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. Anybody ever faced a situation in your life that seemed impossible? Only 12 of us. God bless us all. I'm glad the rest of everybody here had it all figured out. Man, sometimes we're going to face some things in our life. And in fact, Hebrews 11 is chocked full. If you read this, in fact, if you look at my Bible, man, it looks like, it looks like a train wreck because I've got highlights, I've got underlines, I've got stuff. But Hebrews chapter 11 is chocked full of men and women who not only faced impossible situations in their lives, but they believed God and in turn, because they had faith in God, because they believed God, He, not them, He did the miraculous. See, faith sees what cannot be seen because God is the one who actually does the working when we exercise faith. Notice in verse 2. Verse 2 of our text says, For by it... The elders obtained a good report. Now, here's the reality. What is the it? What is the it? It's faith. It wasn't that the Old Testament saints were so gifted or good-looking or great in and of their self. No. They had faith. And they obtained a good report because of their faith. Now, the question is, what type of report are we obtaining? Are we exercising our faith? Are we increasing our faith? 
That's how the Old Testament saints obtained a good report. Listen, yes, they had faith, but they also developed their faith because they followed God. Look at verse number four. By faith, the Bible says, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. In verse five, by faith, Enoch. Man, a lot of people, if you don't know, Enoch is my favorite, favorite person in Scripture. Uh, listen, I said, other than Jesus, right? Enoch. Enoch is the bomb because there's very little written about Enoch. The only thing I know about Enoch is that he did not see death, that God translated him because he had one testimony, that he pleased God. Man, I, I always have said to my wife, I said, listen, I would love it, I would love it, I would love it if I pleased God so much and I love her dearly, but how cool would it be to please God so much that this suit would just go... Fall down. You'd be like, what, ha what happened to that guy? Did we miss the rapture? No, God just translated me. Oh my goodness. Hey, if you have faith, one day God will translate you. You should be more excited than that. If I said your favorite team just scored the winning run or the winning goal or the winning whatever, you would probably get more excited than that. Listen. By faith, one day we will all be translated. How amazing is that? Oh, on and on the list of faithful followers in Hebrews chapter 11 continues. The Bible reveals the incredible journey, the incredible history concerning the faith of these that went on before us. Each person obeying and trusting God throughout their lives. Did they, did, listen... Did these people that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, did they have sin in their life? Let me ask that. Did they have sin in their life? Absolutely. They were sinful men and sinful women that God had redeemed because God is a God of mercy and grace, right? But these were men and women who exercised and increased their faith and God blessed them. Listen, was exercising faith for these people in Hebrews chapter 11 and all through Scripture, was it easy? Here's the correct answer. But was it possible? Yeah. And so I want to encourage you today, listen, it's, imposs it's impossible, verse 6, if your text, if you look, it's impossible to please God without faith. But it is possible to exercise and develop our faith. Listen, my prayer is that you and I would be people that God would want to use greatly, just like these heroes of the faith. Not only that you and I would have faith, but that you and I would increase our faith. And when this happens, I just have to believe that our faith will begin to see what cannot be seen. Let's take a look into the lives of a few people. I think first about Moses. Think about Moses. Listen, if you want to have a faith that sees what cannot be seen, here's number one. A faith that sees what cannot be seen believes. See, you have to have belief. If you have faith in something, you put your belief in that, right? And so Moses had a belief system in God. He believed that God would do exactly what he said he would do. Look over at verse 23 because here's something interesting I find about Moses. Look, it says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Let's just stop there for a second. Whose faith are we talking about? Say it out. His parents. You know Moses' journey of faith? This is a little sidebar. <laughs> 
Mom and dad, so incredibly important what you do with Jesus. Look, by faith, Moses, when he was born, being hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and that they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Here's something I know. Moms and dads, it's incredibly important what you and I do with faith. They evidently, Moses' parents evidently had a faith that could see what could not be seen. You see, they believed that Moses was destined to be used by God for something greater than anyone could imagine. And they hid him. Listen, for Moses, his faith began with the faith of his parents. Obviously, we, you and I, we stand on this side of history having all the facts surrounding Moses' life. Look on. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 tells us that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25 tells us that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Different message, but that's a good verse. Verse 26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt. He's like, hey, listen, if I do something that is not right, I esteem that that would be more important, more uh, that would be worse for me than to have all the riches of Egypt. Notice verse 27. Verse 27 says that Moses forsook Egypt and that he endured, now check this out, a faith that sees what cannot be seen. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Oh yes, my friends, because of his faith in God and the promises of God, Moses had a faith that could see. He believed God and he walked with God. And time and time and time again, God did the impossible. Not Moses. It wasn't, it wasn't Moses that went in with that, with that stick in his hand and caused Pharaoh's heart to change, that Pharaoh would allow the children to leave, right? Egypt. You think Moses did that on his own? Absolutely not. It was God that worked all the way through. And I think about Moses' life. After leading the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, you know the story as children. You know, you may have heard this story. Lead the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, which is a miracle in and of itself. They're out in the wilderness and on and on. Moses, he continues to face the difficulties of, uh, let's just say, uncooperation. He had a group of uncooperative uh, Israelites that were traveling with him, right? And so he's dealing with these uncooperative people, and yet through it all, the Bible tells us how Moses persevered. Oh, he persevered because of his faith. In fact, turn with me to Exodus chapter 35. That would be in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 35. Here's the thing, as you're turning... I think about the fact that, you know, as if the, uh, the situation with the golden calf wasn't enough. I referenced that a little bit. We don't have time to tell that whole story. But as if that situation wasn't enough, uh, they're, they're worshiping the golden calf. He comes down with the two tablets, the, the Ten Commandments, and literally, what? He drops them. And they break. So we got, we got the people worshiping a golden image that was set up while Moses is gone. He breaks the tablets. Um, he's dealing, really, right after that, he deals with idolatry. In fact, it's a pretty grotesque story, but he melts the image. If you don't know the story, he melts the image and mixes it, and he tells the people, drink it. 
He says, drink what you are worshiping because you're not going to put anything before God. So he deals with idolatry. He deals with the sin of people. And if that wasn't enough, then God says, hey, hey uh, Moses, I, I got a job for you to do. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I say, have you ever said this? Enough, Lord. Enough, Lord. Could you call somebody else? Could you, could, could you, could you call this person? Because I'm a little bit worn out. I wonder how Moses felt sometimes. It's in this time that God tells Moses, listen, he says, Moses, here's a list of instructions. I want you to build a tabernacle to worship me in. Now, you say, oh, big deal, it was a tent that traveled around. Do you know that some estimations estimate that this little tent, so to speak, this tabernacle of God, if it were built in today's time, would cost between 10 and 15 million dollars. It was no small undertaking for God to give all the detailed instructions from Moses and say, you're going to build this tabernacle and you're going to get the people uh, behind you. Notice what the Bible says in, uh, in, Exodus, in Exodus chapter uh, 35. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 4 and following. 4 and following. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whatsoever is of a willing, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, and an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood and oil for the light, and spices for oining, uh, anointing oil, and for uh, the sweet incense, and onyx stones, and stones to be set for the ephod, and for the breastplate. And so it goes on and on. And so after all the children of Israel have been through, after all their complaining, Moses says, Ushers, you come. Let's take up an offering. Ushers, get the plates together. We're going to take an offering. Let me ask a question. Where are the children of Israel at this time? They're in the desert. They have not set up shop. The cobbler's office is not open. The bakery shop is not open because aside from God's hand feeding them manna and water, they have no means in and of themselves. Let's take up an offering. Can I tell you something? God never, ever, ever commands us to do something that we cannot do. He never commands us. He never challenges us. He never encourages us to do anything that we cannot do. And you say, well, what are you getting at? Well, what I want you to remember is you can flip over there if you want. Back in Exodus chapter 12, when Pharaoh actually decides, right, he meets with Moses and Aaron by night, and, and he tells them, he says, listen, you get the people, you get all the flocks, you get all the herds, and you be gone, right? In Exodus chapter 12, in fact, in verse number 32 of that passage, in verse number 32 of that passage, he says, and, and while you're at it, give me a blessing. Something's changed with Pharaoh. Something's changed in that one moment. He says, and give me a blessing for me doing what you've asked me to do. And then if you look at verse 35 and 36, notice what takes place in Exodus chapter 12. 
The Bible says, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto him such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Remember I said God never commands us to do something that we cannot do. Moses says, Take up an offering, we're going to build the tabernacle. Guess what? The children of Israel had gold. They had silver. They had brass. They had iron. They had the fine linen. They had everything because in Exodus chapter 12, the Bible tells us that when Pharaoh said to get out of here, that in the middle of their haste of getting out of town, the Bible says here in verse 35 that they borrowed. They borrowed of the Egyptians. By the way, they're not giving it back. It ain't like the borrowed that you and I like to pretend we're borrowing. Hey, brother, can I borrow a gallon of milk? Right? I remember when I was a kid one time before my mother passed away, she sent me next door. She sent me next door. She's like, uh, Greggy, uh, go next door and ask the neighbor for a cup of butter. I'm like, what? Go ask for a cup of butter. Right? And go, go, uh, what is a cup of butter? You know, and it had it marked on the stick. And so I, I went next door and got a stick of butter. And came back. This is, hey, we, we're not talking about the children of Israel going to give it back. That word borrowed there means that they just simply asked for it. And then, if you notice verse 36, it says, and they spoiled the Egyptians. That word means they stripped them of their substance. And you say, you mean they thieved? No, they asked and then they took. <laughs> right? They asked and then they took. And, and here's the thing. It was God ordained. God said, these are my children. You're going to set my children free. And not only are you are going to set them free, you're going to prepare the way for them, right? You're going to, you're going to give them the things that they ask. And so they go out. And, and so God directs his people to do something, folks. He always makes a way for it to happen. But it's rarely seen until you and I step out of our comfort zones by faith. Listen, it's not an easy message for Moses to come back and say, oh, by the way, God says take up an offering. God wants you to give all that gold, all that silver, all that stuff that you ask them about. Not yours anymore. God wants you to give it. Give it of a willing heart so that we can build this tabernacle. Oh, that's not a popular message, but Moses believed God enough to deliver the message. And the people, check this out, the people, they actually believed enough. They believed God enough to give in response. In fact, if you flip back to Exodus 35 and you drop down in Exodus chapter 35 to verse 21, the Bible tells us how they responded. It says, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought of the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle. Oh, yes. Moses' faith to declare God's word, even though sometimes it's difficult to do so, became sight. You want to know when his faith became sight? When the tabernacle, God said, build the tabernacle. When he sees the tabernacle completed, his faith became sight. Oh, listen, do you have a faith that can see what cannot be seen? Well, then you need to believe. Secondly, faith that sees what cannot be seen, if you want it, you have to prepare. A faith that sees what cannot be seen, it only does so when it prepares. Sometimes God also calls us to exercise faith just by simply preparing. Moms and dads, he may be calling you to exercise your faith by preparing your children.
Okay. Moms and dads, he may call you to exercise faith and grow your faith simply by preparing your children. That should be a good thing to do. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, this is what we should do. During Moses' time, you think about the tabernacle. That was a mobile object, right? It was able to be moved from place to place. And so it was a needful thing because they're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. But when we get to David's time, you remember David thought that was kind of disrespectful. Anybody remember that? David thought it was disrespectful for God's tabernacle, for, for the worship of God to take place under a movable tent. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, notice what David says. David shares his burden with the prophet Nathan. It says, Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thy heart, for God is with thee. And so at first, even the prophet Nathan agrees and he encourages David to build. But if you know the rest of the story, you know that that night, God comes to Nathan and he says, no, 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 no. He says, David's not going to build that temple. David wants to build me a temple, but he's not going to build the temple. In fact, his son is going to build the temple. Now, David has an opportunity. He can either get mad or he can get glad. In 1 Chronicles 29, the Bible reveals all of David's preparations and all the characteristics concerning the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and all the fine linens and precious stones that would be used in building this temple. Yes, David had a faith that prepared in such a way that it brought honor and glory to God. Think about how ludicrous this is. David is preparing for a temple, here's the rub. He'll never, ever see the temple, folks. He'll never see that temple. He's preparing for something that he'll never, ever be able to be involved in. He'll never be able to go into the temple and worship God in this temple. He'll never be a part of the building project. He'll never have a gold nameplate put on a pew that says this pew was given by David. He'll never have the stone that has his handprints and or his footprints in it. And yet... He prepares by faith for what God would do. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. In fact, look at verse 2. Verse 2, the Bible says, this is what David says. He says, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. If you look at verse number 3, he says, moreover, I have set my affection to the house of my God, and I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So I simply have a question. Are you and I pouring our strength and ability into preparing whatever God has given us to prepare for? Some of us are preparing for a new ministry. Some of us may be preparing for the next job. By the way, as as Bible-believing Christians, it's okay if you're a barber. Just be a, the best barber you can be. It's okay to be a firefighter. Just be the best firefighter you can be. It's okay to be a, a law enforcement officer. Just be the best law enforcement officer you can be, and on and on and on. Not everybody is called to be in full-time Christian service, but we are called to full-time ministry service for the Lord, right? 
We're to serve the Lord. Listen, are we pouring our strength and ability into whatever God has given us? And then are we preparing ourselves daily to live in a way that brings God honor and glory? Colossians chapter 3, in verse 23 and 24, the Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. In verse number 3 of 1 Chronicles 29, remember David said, I have set my affection to the house of my God. You know, it doesn't take long, for me anyway, it doesn't take long for me to figure out what somebody's affectionate about. Right? Have you ever run into somebody? It doesn't take us long to figure out what people are passionate about, what people are affectionate about. If somebody's passionate or affectionate about sports, that's all they're going to talk about. Sports, 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 ESPN, 24-7, right? If somebody's passionate about technology, they're not going to be satisfied until they have uh, the iPhone 23, right? It hasn't even been built yet, but I'm sure it's coming, right? If they're technology-driven, they're all only going to talk about technology. But if they're affectionate, if they're passionate about God, every once in a while... I'm going to go out on a limb, just like somebody who's passionate about sports, somebody who's passionate about technology. If we're passionate, if we're affectionate about the things of God, every once in a while, it just stands to reason that we'll actually talk about God. Colossians chapter 3 also, I read verse 23 and 24. The first three verses of Colossians chapter 3, the Bible says this, If ye be then risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Listen, David also said in verse 3 that he sacrificed over and above all that he had prepared for the construction of God's temple. And again, a temple that he would never seen, yet he had faith to see that it would actually be completed in the future. I've learned in this life that I never have a problem sacrificing for the things that I love. Anybody figured that out? If you love something, you never have a problem sacrificing for it. Long before I was ever called into ministry, when I was still in the military, listen, right? I realized a long time ago that if I love something, I'm not going to have a problem sacrificing for it. Same thing's true when it comes to exercising and increasing our faith. Listen, it's important for us to understand that David's faith to prepare for the temple is something that he would never see, something that he would never experience in his lifetime, brought honor and God and honor and glory to God, but it also impacted others. See, when you and I exercise faith that prepares, even though you and I may never get to experience what we're preparing for, you and I may never get to see what that child turns out to be in this life. Am I right? Life's a vapor. I may not get to see my grandkids. I hope I do. I hope that that's a, a reality, that God will allow me to see that. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to rejoice and have a long life and be able to see all these things, but we're not guaranteed that. And so the faith that prepares now, even though we may not know what the future holds, is a faith that can see, and it's also a faith that actually will impact others, as it did in David's time. In 1 Chronicles 29, notice, after he gives the speech about all the stuff that he did, in verse number 6, here's how it impacts others. The Bible says that the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds 
with the rulers of the king's work, notice what happened. They offered willingly. See, they saw the faith of their king. They saw the faith of the one who was leading them, who was exercising his own faith and said, I have set my affection, I have given over and above for the building of God's temple. They saw his faith and they said, you know what? We're going to get involved in exercising faith too. And folks, please don't walk out of here and say this message was all about giving. This message is about faith. This is about faith. It doesn't matter if we take whatever story we find in the life of Moses or David. These were just sinful men who were passionately involved in the work of God. Oh, that's when faith sees clearly. And then finally, I wrap it up. Faith sees what cannot be seen when it moves. Faith that sees what cannot be seen has to move into action at some point. I think about in the book of Nehemiah, God's word records for us the inconceivable reality concerning Nehemiah's faith. You think about it, when he hears about the state of affairs in Judah from Hananiah and, and the other men from Judah, how that the remnant uh, is in great affliction and great reproach has come upon the remnant that are back in Judah there. And they tell him about the wall of Jerusalem, how it's been torn down, and that the gates of the city, remember they, they give him this vivid picture of how not only is the wall torn down, but the gates are burning with fire. And so they tell this all uh, to, to Nehemiah, and immediately we see that Nehemiah's faith compels him to move into action. Since you know that Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer, the first thing that he would have had to do is get permission. He wasn't able just to walk out and, you know, he's over in uh, Shushan. He's not able just to exit and go over and check things out in Jerusalem. He has to go to the king. And, but the first thing I find in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, after Nehemiah weeps over what he hears, the Bible says he fasts and he prays. He fasts and he prays to, uh, to the God of heaven. In, in verse number 4. And so then he goes to Artaxerxes and Artaxerxes is having a good day and he looks at Nehemiah and he says, why is your countenance fallen? You seem to be sad about something. By the way, this also reminds me that, that uh, Nehemiah had a good testimony with his boss. Am I right? Nehemiah had a good testimony because if he was a bad employee, if he was a bad cupbearer, if he was a bad slave, then guess what? Artaxerxes isn't letting him go. But Nehemiah has a good testimony. And so it's a great day and Nehemiah asked him if he can go. And we were joking the other day. Not only did he ask for permission, he says, oh, by the way, can you write me a letter and can you uh, uh, create the funding account so that I can rebuild the wall? Right? And so Artaxerxes does that. And upon arrival, we see Nehemiah go into the city. And what he saw moved him so much that he knew he had to do something. Let me ask you a question. When has your faith moved you so much that you just knew you had to do something? Has it ever? Do you have a faith that moves you into action? You see, in Nehemiah chapter 2, in Nehemiah chapter 2, I'm just going to read a few verses and then we'll be done. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12 and following, the Bible says this, Nehemiah says, and I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put into my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well. 
and to the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. So not only did they burn down, they're still burning with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. Notice he includes himself in the distress. No longer is it just others who are involved in the distress. Nehemiah says, Do you see the distress that we are in? Notice. Verse 17, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And then he says these words, these iconic words. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Listen, if you want to be used by God to build something special, then you got to move. you got to move into action. How amazing is it? Listen, when we begin to see like God sees, exercising our faith becomes much more easy. And let me ask you a question. Has the Lord ever put it into your heart to repair? Anything in your life needing repaired today? I'd probably suggest there's some people who need to repair some things today. Anybody here need to restore something today? Maybe you have a friendship with somebody that's been kind of broken for a while. Does anybody not only maybe need to repair or restore something, maybe someone here today needs to take a lesson from Nehemiah and build something for God's honor and God's glory. See, when we begin to see things like God sees them, exercising faith becomes much easier. See, it was much easier for Peter to step out of the boat when the Lord said, come. He said, if you be the Lord, bid me come. I'm going to put you to the test. If that's you, Lord, then bid me to come. But when the Lord said, come, it became much easier for Peter to step out of the boat because he believed who he was. Listen, if you and I want to be used to build something special, we need to exercise our faith. Notice what verse 18 says, because here's the key. Here's the key. Verse number 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, notice what they in turn say, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Listen, if you and I want to be used by God to build something special, why not begin by sharing God's good hand on you? Why not begin by just saying, hey, God's been really good to me and my family. God's blessed me with a beautiful wife. God's blessed me with beautiful children. Instead of getting angry at God's word, why don't we just say, God, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. You blessed me with this family that I have. You blessed me uh, with a wonderful husband. You've blessed me with wonderful children. God, you've blessed me with a wonderful home. You've blessed me with the ability to eat today. You've blessed me with these clothes that I'm wearing. God, you've blessed me, blessed me, blessed me. How about we go out? If we want to restore something, if we want to rebuild something, if we want to build anything for God, why not start by sharing God's good hand of provision in our life? Oh, allow our faith to move us into action. Oh, will there be obstacles along the way? 
Shake your head. Will there be obstacles along the way if you don't have a broken neck? Shake your head. That's kind of cool. I ought to take a picture of that. There were still 40 of you that did not shake your head. Oh, there'll be obstacles along the way. Nehemiah had to deal with people who struggled to compromise, people who struggled with fear, people who struggled with discouragement. But through it all, he persisted and he prevailed. Listen, when God calls us to increase our faith, he never says it will be easy. In fact, you can go ahead and bank on it. Uh, 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 you're going to face some criticism. You're going to face some resistance. When I was retiring out of the military and I said I was going to Bible college, I had a lot of people say, oh, slow down for a second. You're going to do what? Uh, have you looked in the mirror how old you are? I was like, yeah, I looked how old I am. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you. Right? I had people that said, oh, listen, why don't you just stay right there? Why don't you just stay right there? You've got a good church. Why are you going to go off and, and uh, follow some foolish idea that you're going to go to Bible college? Because God told me to go to Bible college. You say, well, did God verbally say it? No, but guess what? I woke up night after night after night after night after night after night feeling the impression of the Holy Spirit that I needed to go to Bible college. Listen, I already had a plan set up for what I was going to do after I retired. Man, I was going to live the life of luxury right here in good old Fauquier County. And God said, <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to become a pauper for me, right? Listen, God says, you're going to give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Go. Go to Bible college. Do some things for me. I can assure you one day when we see Jesus, it'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. Believe. You want to have a faith that sees what cannot be seen? Then put your belief in God and the promises of God. You want to have a faith that sees that cannot be, what cannot be seen? Then don't mind preparing. Even though you might not get to see the reward of your faith, you just keep on preparing. Keep on serving the Lord. And if you want to have a faith that sees what cannot be seen, then be willing to get out of the boat and move into action. Listen, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now, by, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Oh, by faith Moses believed God in his word. By faith David set his affection on things above and sacrificed and sacrificially prepared himself for the eventual building of God's temple. And by faith... Oh yes, by faith, Nehemiah was compelled to move into action and to do something. His determination, by the way, would not be denied. The question is, what about you? What is God laying upon your heart? As we turn the corner in our church calendar year, we're going to talk a lot about faith. We're going to talk a lot about faith over the next month or so. Start to ask yourself, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? I believe you and I believe your word. What is it that you want to do? God, I want to prepare for whatever you have for me. Man, you say, I've not always been the best dad. I've not always been the best mom. I've not always been the best grandpa or grandma or aunt or uncle. Or I've not always been the best whatever. God, help me to prepare to be better. God, help me to move into action. Help me to quit sitting on the sideline. Help me to quit showing up and just going through the motions at your house. Help me to exercise and increase my faith. And when you and I do that, when you and I get real with that question, and we come before God's throne and say, God, help me to believe. God, help me to prepare. God, help me to move in a way that brings you honor and glory. That, my friends, 
is when you and I will have a faith that sees what cannot be seen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.